Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Sawbones, Marital Tube, Misguided Medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Well, this is an odd situation we find ourselves in, friends. Yeah, we we did not foresee um, doing this show again. Well, we, but if by this show you mean this podcast, we did Well, no, totally we did foresee, foresee that. that. No, I mean, we planned on it. Um, we did a, 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 a bunch of live shows in the Pacific Northwest and recorded them all to share with you. And uh, there was an odd problem with one of them. Where uh, Sydney lost her audio, and you couldn't hear Sydney, you could only hear me, thereby making it pretty much the worst podcast in history. It's a medical <laughs> history podcast where a, a dunderhead just like shouts of the darkness is, yeah. is ill informed. Pa- pauses questions. for long periods of time and then reacts to, to seemingly nothing. To nothing. It was, it was, it was booby trapped. We sat down at the table, which was mic'd for you and your brothers. Yeah. And you sat down at your mic, and I had to choose the Griffin or the Travis mic, mm-hmm. and I chose poorly. Yeah. Because so, the Travis mic didn't work. Uh, is it the, do you guys do that intentionally to him? Do you turn off no. his mic intentionally? Nah, not on purpose. <laughs> uh, but let's, but so what we're going to do is we're going to try to replicate that show for you as close as, as we possibly can. So <clears throat> here we go. Hey, everybody. What's up, Oregon? Hey, Portland. Portland. Cheer. Everybody cheer. Woo. Woo. Clap. Yay. What's going on, Portland? We're so happy to be here I know, in Oregon, where we are. I know a lot of stuff about uh, Portland. I've been um, reading up, Sid. Well, tell me, what do you know? Um, the land of ports. I don't actually know anything. You don't know anything about Portland? Well, we've been on the road. It's hard, you know? <laughs> and you tend to do all your studying on the road. I tend to do all, all your or your organ studies. All my growth on the Oregon Trail. On the, oh gosh, I don't know. What do oh, you? No. What do you? Okay, hot shot. What do you know about Portland? Ah, uh, well, I mean, not much. Just the like the obvious stuff that everybody knows, like the the fact that the most uh, that the only venomous snake in Oregon is the western rattler. That's like the only. I mean, but everybody knows that, right? This seems like not. I mean, it seems like lame material, but trust me. It did gangbusters in Portland. <laughs> they, they love this kind they of stuff. They love stuff. jokes about the Western. They love jokes about Portland. Rattler. Jokes. I use that in air quotes. But like talking about Portland snakes. They love it. Um, why on earth do you know that, Sydney? <laughs> I know why she knows it. But just uh, 
I know that because I thought we should talk about snake bites, snakes and snake bites today. So we're going to conclude our three-part series on uh, putting pets on blast with the first part of our series, putting pets on blast. Don't get confused. Don't get confused. We're just going to talk about snakes. Just snakes. We're just talking about, talking about snakes. Now, uh, if you are in Oregon, where we were and are in this fiction that we've created, um, you would know the Western Rattler uh, so that you're aware because it has a triangular head, it has vertical pupils, it's olive brown to gray, and most importantly, it rattles. It's a rat- rattlesnake. Rattle, like rattle it's going to yeah. like the rattle. So, um, And that's important to know because not all snakes, of course, are, are poisonous. What right? do I need to worry about? You need to worry about rattlesnakes. You need to worry about copperheads, uh, water moccasins or or cottonmouths also, and coral snakes. Those are the poisonous ones. I mean, don't worry. I mean, like, don't worry about them. Like, don't stay up at night worrying about them. But I mean, if you see one, I would walk in a different direction. Don't get bit by it. Yeah, just like don't don't like stick your hand close to it. Um, about seven to eight thousand people in the U.S. do get bitten by snakes each year, mm-hmm. and uh, only only about five die. So oh well, that's, a, the the odds are ever in your favor there. <laughs> still, don't touch them. But. No, no, no. And and people have a lot of strange ideas about how to treat snake bites. I would think so. Yeah, because you have to come up with something, and out in the wilderness, usually, right? You're not thinking about it and preparing for it, so you just gotta try to see what works. Exactly. And what, what's strange though is that now. People do think about it and prepare for it and still do some really <laughs> dumb things. The one that I know for sure works is that you cut open the bite and you suck out the venom. So the first one I'm going to tell you not to do is to cut out the bite, <laughs> cut the bite and suck out the venom. Oh, no. <laughs> no, that is, that's probably the most common misconception that um, when someone's bitten by a snake, you need to real quick like suck the poison back out or, or make an incision kind of in the wound and then and suck the poison out of that. Uh, this has never been proven to work. Um, and in fact, it can be really dangerous because one thing to know about snake bites is that many of them are, are dry bites, meaning that they don't actually contain venom. Mm-hmm. So you got bitten by a snake. That sucks. Not not trying to say it doesn't. But there wasn't any venom. So that's better. You're not going to die. Right. Um, in that case, if you then were to cut open the wound and stick your you or someone else's dirty mouth on it because your mouth is dirty sorry sorry all and mine too our mouths are dirty they're full of dirty dirty bacteria that you don't want in an open wound um you're probably going to do a lot more harm than good um even if there was venom in there you almost certainly couldn't get it out um certainly not all of it you can almost certainly not act fast enough to get Mm -hmm. any of the venom out even if you could through mouth suctioning right um and because like fangs are curved you're probably not even sucking in the right place you're probably just getting a mouthful of blood Ugh. Ugh. yeah in general suction does more harm than good um but people have been doing it for a really long time so why do we think that it helps um i don't know this probably goes back to Roman times. So it was noted that there was a, a certain people who lived in, in northern Africa, um, the Silly? Silly or Silly? Probably Silly, but One let's say Silly because it's fun. It's fun. Gotta get your phone where you can. Silly people. 
P-S-Y-L-L-I, of northern Africa, lived uh, in an area where there were lots of snakes. And people were bitten by snakes more frequently because, you know, there were lots of snakes. Um, And so much so that it was thought that they were immune to the snakes um, and that um, they had some sort of, like, special relationship with the snakes and a better understanding of, like, snake bites and healing. Uh, And so it was also believed that their saliva, these people, their saliva was kind of an anti-venom. It probably started as a cover story to cover up the fact they're embarrassed about getting snake bite and bitten again. Like, oh, no, you don't understand. I have a very special relationship with this thing. I know what he's saying. It's just a back and forth. I'm building up an immunity. It's a cultural exchange, really, more than anything. You just wouldn't get it. It's a silly thing. It's a silly thing. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> Uh, so the the story was that um, because their their saliva had this special property that they could spit on your snake bite and that would heal it. Um, and this may have been turned into a story of uh, you know when it was once seen like one of these healers um, sucking the venom out of a bite um, or spitting on the bite, you know, put applying their mouth to the bite in order to use their magical you know healing saliva. Mm-hmm. And then they both you know live to to tell the story and pass it along. Maybe that's where this comes from. Um, it, it is it is interesting. These these people um, really milk this reputation. Like mm-hmm. they liked that they were known as snake healers. Like snake healers. Somebody's gurus, got their something. Snake charmers. If you will. <laughs> if you will. Um, they, uh, I mean, they played it up because this was probably how some people made their living. Mm-hmm. You know, healing people's snake wounds. Um, they claim that their breath could cure wounds. They, pl- they claim that they could identify the snake that bit you by the taste of the venom they were you know, sucking out of your wound. I completely celebrate their opportunism. I do question, it seems like kind of a short grift to me. It seems like you only get a couple of those just really totally definitely not working before people start to question your your prowess, if you will. Yeah, but that's never true with this stuff, right? It yeah. doesn't matter how often it doesn't work. You blame yourself. I guess it was too well, deep. I should have gotten here quicker. And the fact is, think about it. Like I said, a lot of snake bites are dry bites, so... The person probably did get better in those cases. That's true. Because there wasn't venom there. Yeah. Also, do you wonder if like they're like training snakes to bite people? <laughs> I mean, because oh, like okay. there aren't a lot of I mean how are there enough people getting bitten by snakes to support this as a livelihood? It, they just charge exorbitant rates. And they also do like the insurance packages where you pay them up front in case at a, a decreased rate in case you get bit by a snake. Do you think they like they created that Snake Island? Remember when we watched that documentary about that Snake Island? Yeah, think they made that place. Um, I mean, they, it seems like they would have a pretty chill hang there. <laughs> Nobody's gonna bother them. They uh, they had they definitely cornered the market on anti venom and and snake bite maintenance, um, and uh, and this was even who um, one of our favorite our favorite friends of the show Pliny would advocate yeah. uh, you to go to if you if you were bitten by a snake he his first um, his first uh, thought was that you should go visit the silly people. Um, he uh, it, he also noted though that if you couldn't get to them, if you're too far away, and if you're not there, like among among these people, you probably are too far away. Right. <laughs> if you just got bitten by a snake, um, then instead uh, you could use something called a snake stone, also called a poison stone or a venom stone. And they so these these stones these weren't just I mean they were advised by plenty, but there were 
um, a lot of people who used them, they were usually these like crystalline rocks. They're kind of these pretty rocks and they had marble in them. And so they had like a, a kind of pattern is what they look like. I mean, if you Google them and look at pictures, they kind of look like a snakeskin pattern hmm. that just has naturally occurred. Um, they were sold for a really high price um, and you would just hold on to it in case you got bitten by a snake. Um, and then if you did, that's when you deploy your snake stone <laughs> um, by dipping it in water and then drinking the water. I don't know from an effectiveness perspective, from a working, in a working sense, I don't know if that would be a slam dunk. No. No. Because it's don't. just a rock. Yeah. It's just a rock in water. Yeah, I don't think that even sounds particularly... Unless it dissolved and fizzed, that could be very satisfying. <laughs> Do you think it was... The, this is where the pet rock comes from? Um, like the idea, like, that you should own a rock? Oh, maybe they're like... They try, They bought one of these stupid rocks. They tried to cure their snake bite with mm-hmm. it. It didn't work. Their brother still died, and then they had to cover up the fact they had spent $2 on a fake snake rocks. Then they had to say, well, no, no, no. No, it's my pet. It's my pet. I keep it as a pet. <laughs> yes. Uh, Pliny also had some other other strange cures you could try. Um, roasted garlic and oil, which is delicious. <laughs> uh, less delicious. You cook the snake in roasted garlic and oil. Wouldn't eat it. <laughs> That's to make it pay for biting you. Take this. You're delicious. It's your last meal. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, uh, less delicious. You could also try myrrh, tannin, curdled milk, uh, boiled frogs, yeah. dried weasels, hippo testes, <laughs> uh, raw sparrow, dove meat, which just seems mean. That's just terrible. That's just mean. You're the idiot who got bit. Don't punish the dove. Or, or bat blood with thistle. When I read these cures, I, I wonder if like, you know those um those dice that you can buy, like adult dice? Mm-hmm. Like you know? one kiss on elbow? Yeah, like that kind of thing. Like, do you think that he had like weird ingredient dice, like different parts of right, like yeah, body yeah. parts and uh, then different animals? Says, and it's like here's dove, his, um, meat, bat, blood. Hippo testes. Right here it says, uh, rub fox oatmeal on your forearm. Okay, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to fix your migraine, but you heard me. I mean, the the dice. You heard me, not the dice. What are dice? Just me. Plenty. That's it. I mean, I think that's the only explanation for, oh, where did he come up with these? I mean... Just straight off the dome. Those aren't even closely related. Boiled frogs and dove meat. Like, how do you, how are those, how are those two things, like, what are, how are they ever the same treatment for anything? It's just taking a scattershot approach, I think, Sid. And maybe he thinks if he stalls you enough <laughs> with cooking uh, these different animals and catching them and, co- and cooking them and eating them, you won't come back to him for a refund because he'll have, uh, you'll have died. <laughs> You can't get him. I didn't mean for this to also be the episode where we put Plenty on blast. Nah, Plenty's our boy. No. What about the uh, Native Americans? Did they, they have, it seems like they would interact with a lot of snakes in the out in the frontier. They would, and they did. And before I tell you about that, why don't you come with me to the billing department? Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. 
Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McQuarrie fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McElroy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. What are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared, all I got in two minutes, I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Okay, Sid, you were going to tell me about Native American Cures for Snake Bites. That's right. So you promised. I promise I will deliver. The Cherokee had lots of uh, remedies for snake bites. So they would mainly have encountered, uh, they did and, and do, mainly encounter two different types of poisonous snakes, rattlesnakes and copperheads. And it's weird because I, I guess they had like a reverence for rattlesnakes, mm. but they hated copperheads. That's kind of double standard. That's weird. <laughs> they're just the copperheads were total jerks. But maybe my theory is that it's because like rattlesnakes are at least cool about it. Like when they show up in the neighborhood, they're like, hey, Hey, rattle, rattle. I'm here. I'm here. Hope there are no scary Native Americans around. I'd hate to have to bite somebody. I'll bite them because I will be startled by human presence. (laughs) (laughs) But copperheads don't do that. You just accidentally step into a bush and then. Boom. 
your leg falls off. That's not really what happens. No. That would be awful. It was just, it sounded more dramatic. Right. <laughs> um, included in the many treatments are some for dream snake bites. What's your dream snake bite? Oh, gosh. <laughs> How long do I have? Um, I guess I'm on a beach. Sandy, it's warm. Uh, I got a daiquiri in my hand and. Or a pumpkin spice or latte. Or maybe a PSL. <laughs> it's autumnal. The leaves are falling off the trees and i got a copperhead just friggin like latched bit down really deep into my leg i guess this is my dream snake bite <laughs> that sounds awful what do, um what are you and talking scary about? because a dream no like a snake bite that happens in a dream they thought was just as important as a real one and could kill you mm, okay so you had to know how to treat that one as well uh some of their treatments include tobacco um, sunflowers. There were lots of different plant species that you could try. Lots of things that uh, would just kind of make you puke. We've talked about like lobelia before, just things to make you sick, which is based on like, we've talked about this before, the idea that if you take something and it makes something happen, it's probably working. Mm-hmm. So something that made you puke or poop or pee a lot or right, right, right. whatever, it probably helped. Um, there, there was an herb that was used a lot and it was named aptly Rattlesnake Master. it's a great brand (laughs) that would work um and in general it your treatment was usually going to involve both like imbibing something and topically applying something and then also maybe blowing some smoke from something else on it uh cover all your bases that's what i say when i give it by snakes uh, there are many, um, when we talk about like some traditional treatments, like tra- traditional, uh, from India treatments, um, swimming in shallow ponds, oh. um, prayer, mud, uh, various plant-based kind of herbal remedies. Um, sometimes, uh, I guess patients used to be urged and maybe still to this day not to go to the doctor because the belief was that it would get worse. At this time uh, in human history, probably not that far off. Maybe so. Yeah, that that's very true. Um, in, in antiquity, a long time ago, they may have a traditional Indian treatment may have been to tell you to go bite the snake that bit you. Yeah, that doesn't help, but it makes you feel better. And <laughs> Again, it, and it's kind of like pass, eating the snake. <laughs> and he'll pass the word on to the next guy. Like, oh, don't bite Jerry or other people that are shaped like Jerry. Because they will bite you back. They buy back. They buy back. It sucks. Listen, snakes. Tell your friends. We're putting you on notice. We buy back. We buy back. Um, Or if you you don't have, uh, if you can't find the snake, maybe you could just put some dirt on it. Yeah. Why not? Sure. Dirt's good for you, right? (laughs) Um, Medicine as a 10-year-old football player's dad. Like... (laughs) Rub some dirt in it. Be fine. It'll be fine. Uh, on the Western frontier in the U.S., uh, the mainstay of snake bite treatment and treatment for anything else was whiskey. God bless America. <laughs> and, and and what what should you do with the whiskey? Drink it. Yes, that's <sighs> right. Just yep. drink it. Just drink lots of it. Uh, there was a belief that whiskey had this uh, magical ability to kind of like seek out it was like a smart bomb it could find the poison in your body and just like whiskey is basically a dumb bomb ironically (laughs) enough um there were many reports of people drinking up to two quarts of whiskey and being fine from their Mm. snake bite and 
I guess, recovering Must from the whiskey. From the whiskey, um, I read one because uh, there it used to make like the newspaper, like the the you know your local like mining town newspaper mm-hmm. would publish stories of people getting bitten by snakes. <laughs> And like what happened to them. And so you get these like reports of like there was a three year old who was bitten by a snake. But don't worry. We gave him a bunch of whiskey and he's fine. (laughs) Also, he's got a vicious drinking problem now. Perfect. Uh, If the whiskey didn't work, you could cauterize something. This seems unlikely, but I'm glad to know there's a backup plan. um, And I'm sure you are more open to trying cauterizing a wound once you've had a lot of whiskey. Sure. Because then you just cauterize it. Go nuts. It's like branding it. Just get some piece of metal really hot and stick it on there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you are a teetotaler and you want to stay away from the whiskey, mm-hmm. um, then unfortunately, your alternative is you can make a salve out of egg and salt and gunpowder. Boy, you are a... And by the way, don't let anybody question your dedication to teetotaling if you get a snake bite and you don't do the thing that the doctor tells you you should do like that's a really that's a hard lot you are not look you are not a person looking for excuses to drink i give you your credit uh this was a time in history where i don't think it took a lot of like effort to talk someone into drinking whiskey <laughs> everybody was pretty fine with it yeah um you could also try uh taking two straws and sticking them into the bite wounds like one into each puncture wound and then pour some milk into them oh cool that's like the most unpleasant thing i could think of to do with that um indigo and lard was another popular combo Mm -hmm. indigo and lard that's a do do you like that band that's a great musical act so good i saw them open for flea foxes last summer it's amazing (laughs) uh you could also try a poultice of some green onions and salt which again, like that's just yummy. Yeah, you're making yourself delicious for the next snake. <laughs> or another one, you could try uh, splitting a chicken in half and and pressing part of the chicken up against the wound. How long? Uh, well, until the chicken turns green. Per- that's that's oh, not so great. yummy. That does not sound particularly delicious, no. though. No. Um, also, salt, pork, and garlic could be used together as well. Okay, now it's a dry rub. Great. Um. I, I, I kind of feel like a lot of these snake bite treatments were like, like a kid came running in and was like, Mom, help. I just got bitten by a snake. And she just grabbed like whatever. Was in the kitchen. Like, was here, make this into a poultice. This. See, I got marmalade and hair gel and flour. I don't think they had hair gel. Well, it was um, pharmaceutical or... hair gel. It wasn't <laughs> just for casual use. <laughs> um... Go ask your father. I don't know. I don't want to have to deal with another snake bite today, Bobby. <laughs> um, as a last resort, you could use amputation mm-hmm. of the limb. That was that was sometimes attempted, but um, you probably didn't want to attempt that because you know we didn't have like anesthesia or or you want sterile. your arm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we're like, assuming you, don't you need, want your arm. You don't need to come up with reasons why people would be at this point in time anti-amputation <laughs> there were lots of i mean it wasn't we weren't very good at it yet right um but you had to be sure to boil the limb in milk afterwards the one that's no longer on you i guess okay i don't know what i don't know what utility it would be to boil like your other hand in milk <laughs> yeah I, I get that yeah that seems <laughs> just adding an insult to injury um now, in addition to the fact that we now know you should not suck out the poison, mm-hmm. um, 
there are there are a lot of other remedies that are from like 200 years ago that people still try today like what so one um a tourniquet uh it has been thought for a long time that if you if you like apply a tourniquet like the the poison can't go any further it's not going to get you know to your heart was the was always the thought to get pumped to the rest of your body um so you just apply a really tight tourniquet to your arm or whatever and then you'll be okay uh that's not a good idea um you want the toxin to be diluted you're also going to like damage the cells in that limb also you might lose the limb because of the tourniquet right because it's keeping all the poison localized right no. And it cuts off your circulation. It cuts off your circulation, yes. I mean, it's more important. I mean, yes, the poison, but more importantly, just like the tourniquet itself is extremely dangerous. If you do not know what you're doing, don't use a tourniquet. Right. Tourniquets, this is like a little, here's a little public service announcement for you. <laughs> when we when we use tourniquets in the field, it is a life or limb situation, meaning that, okay, we're going to chance losing your arm because the alternative is that you die right. and that's the only time that you should ever use a tourniquet if it's not a situation where you're gonna you're either gonna die or lose the limb don't use one if you're not sure just don't leave it to somebody who is right good good tourniquet advice um don't ice it people still think that you know you need blood flow don't drink any alcohol don't drink any caffeine i don't know why i don't know why people are still thinking that whiskey would be a treatment for a snake bite they just want an excuse but don't do that. And don't try to trap the snake. I See, I think that's important. Why do you think it's important to trap the snake? Because you need to know what bit you. So they know what antivitamin to give you. Uh, some good advice that I, that I was going to get to, but I'll give you a sneak peek, is to look at the snake that bit you. Try to remember some details about it. You just don't need to capture it and make an example out of exactly. it. Exactly. You don't need Got that it. snake. It's not like it's that. That's a little bit of magical thinking that you need the actual snake that bit you in order to to make the antivenom. No, it's good if you can notice some details about it. If you can keep your your wits about you and see like what color it is, what markings it has, did it rattle? That kind of thing can be helpful to the doctor that you're going to see. Um, but uh, trapping the snake is a bad idea. I actually that's one of the stories that I have heard is someone who was bitten by a snake and uh, their family captured the snake <laughs> before they loaded them up into the car to drive them to the hospital. And in the car on the way to the hospital, the snake escaped. Oh, God. And so they had to, like, stop on the way to the hospital and, like, you know, evacuate the car. Right, because snake. Because there's a snake in the car and wait till the snake, like, you know, slithered out. And then they jumped back in the car and came. And so they didn't have the snake and they'd been delayed. So in general, and somebody else could have gotten bitten. So in general, like, don't, don't try to trap a poisonous snake. Period. Just, you know, look at it. Like, you all have phones now. Just take a freaking picture. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I really have your wits about you. Yeah. Uh, the best advice for snakes is, like, don't get bitten. Um, for several reasons. Many that we've already gone into, like, you know, it's bad. Depending on what kind of snake it is, what kind of poison it is. I mean, it can... It can kill you. It usually won't, but it can cause a lot of damage, you know, to the to the body part that was uh, that was injured. Um, but also, snake venom, uh, snake anti venom, is really really expensive. Hmm. Super expensive. Uh, there was a student at UC San Diego who was bitten by a rattlesnake, spent one night in the hospital, and was charged one hundred and forty three thousand nine hundred and eighty nine dollars for the encounter. Of that, 
128000 was just for the anti-venom he was giving. Hachi, machi. 128000 So um, why is it so expensive? Because uh, it's hard to make. That's. Did you read ahead or did you know that? Uh, we've done this show before, but also I knew that one. Okay. Well, that was pretty good. Thank you. How do you make anti-venom? You can milk it. You gotta milk the snake. <laughs> That's right. You have to milk the snake. Yeah, it gets little nipples. No, no. Milk is like the glands, the poison uh, okay. glands, like near the fangs. Boy, that's a t- stay in school, kids. That's a <laughs> tough job. Um, it is hard to milk a poisonous snake, uh, and you have to milk it over and over and over again, and then milk a whole bunch of other poisonous snakes in order to get enough venom to then create an anti-venom, which is part of why it's so expensive. Also. There's some things I could say about the pharmaceutical industry that I won't, but it's more than just more than just the antivenom. It's not that. You just gotta know how to milk poisonous. Well, it's more than just that, but okay. Um, It took one guy three years, sixty nine thousand times to milk one pint of coral snake venom in order to make the antivenom to coral snakes. And it took one jerk, one misguided afternoon in the hospital (laughs) refrigerator to drink the whole thing. Why did he drink it? He thought it was a Capri Sun. <laughs> the guy had been storing it in a Capri Sun pouch. Oh, time. that's a bad idea. So short-sighted. After you milk the snake and you've got a lot of venom, you've got to cool it down. You've got to inject that into another animal um, to create like the antibodies to uh-huh. it. Um, horses are used a lot because they are big. They live a long time and they're really nice. Yeah, they're that's what I've read. They're, well, they're they're nice about it. Like they let you stick them with a the needle again. And, and we don't like they don't kill the horses. This isn't they're not you know they're not killing them um they need the, them to make antibodies to them so they have to be alive sure um and the how exactly they do that and the horses come out okay is a secret so i can't explain it to you okay. i don't i don't know the secret like i'm not keeping the secret from you i just don't know um but they make the antibodies they get blood from the horse they centrifuge it and then they wait 10 years for the fda to approve it and voila we have antivenom so it's really expensive and it's scarce and it's hard to get depending on where you are. Um, I don't know that it's readily available like at my hospital. Right. They would have to order it. Um, it there's a cool story about a snake handler, Bill Host. Bill Host, yeah, who had a better way, he thought, of getting this, this super exclusive antivenom. He just injected himself with diluted cobra venom for years. Hmm. It's a hard dose to get right. I mean, you got to really make sure you nail that from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to be really careful with that. Um, but he he wasn't that concerned because he challenged it many times by getting bitten by snakes. Mm-hmm. Lots of times. He lived. Huh. to tell about it. Wow. He then went around the world uh, donating his blood to snake bite victims. Because I- on the basis that his blood was an anti-venom now. And his wife claims... That all of them survived, which makes uh, him kind of a cool dude, by I, the way. I'm suspicious of this dude. How did he know the person was going to get bit by a snake? You know, he'd have to be really thinking far ahead. How did he know where he needed to be to donate his blood to a snake well, venom? No. He's in <laughs> league with the snakes. Well, no, he would like fly there. Right. Like, when they got bitten. But like, and they didn't die in the interim? I guess he, maybe, I, he, he must have He was already great... there because he planned the whole thing. <laughs> Bill Haas, snake assassin. <laughs> um... You know, the black mamba. I meant to mention so that I told you they use horses to make the antivenom. Mm-hmm. The, there are a lot of different animals you can use. Um, the ones they like to use are horses, but I read the one article that said it's noted that another good option for this are actually sharks. Oh, great. 
Um, like out of the frying pan <laughs> of the fire, huh? But uh, but they noted that that's a lot more difficult. It's more difficult to work with a shark than it is a horse. No, yeah, I would say so. I don't know who figured that out. It's like every you know how everybody calls horse sharks the horses of the sea. Although oh, wait a minute, no one does that because it would be insane. <laughs> I don't want to see a shark all hopped up on snake venom. Oh, yeah. Right. Exactly. You're welcome, by the way, Sci-Fi Network. There's your next freaking movie. What do I actually do if I get a snake bite, Sid? Stay calm. Okay. Done. Hold still. Okay. Call 911. Got it. Get to a hospital as soon as possible. Okay. Um, you're welcome if you feel so inclined to clean the wound out with soap and water. Can't. Too freaked out. Okay. But you don't... Well... Okay, call 911, get to just, and let me know. I'll handle it. Just, I mean, I will take care of it. Um, not, I mean, that wasn't a general offer to the public. Right, just <laughs> That was aimed at you, Justin. Like, if I'm there, public, and you are bitten by a snake, I will help you out. Nice. But don't, like, wait for me to come. Got it. Because I don't know. I don't know that you got She's no Bill Haas. She's not planning <laughs> these attacks ahead of time. Uh, uh, so clean it, cover it with a dry dressing, and like I said, try to remember what the snake looked like but don't catch it please unnecessary uh thank you so much portland you've been an amazing audience thank you to those of you who are listening to this uh audio podcast that definitely recorded from this show uh we are definitely live in portland and not at our home in west virginia yes uh and thanks to uh Taxpayers for letting us use their um, intro and outro uh, song Medicines as the international bar program. Uh, thank you to them. And I want to thank somebody, Maureen Price, uh, who gave uh, uh, Justin to, by way of Justin, to me, a really sweet card and a super cool pen that lasts for seven years. Yeah, and thanks. So thank I, you. I didn't mention this, but thanks to the uh, to the p- beloved fan in. Um, Vancouver that gave us the great books for Charlie. It was very sweet of you. Absolutely. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, that's going to do it for us, folks. Until the next time we uh, 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 get together with you. Should be next Wednesday, if all goes according to plan. My name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. As always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.